As interest in adventure travel grows, the risk of injuries, even to those most experienced travelers, is also increasing. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is Dr. Paul Auerbach. Dr. Auerbach is a clinical professor of surgery in the Division of Emergency Medicine at Stanford University in Palo Alto, California, one of the world's leading authorities on wilderness medicine and author of the book, Medicine for the Outdoors and the Wilderness Medicine Textbook. Dr. Auerbach, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Great to be here. What is an adventure trip? An adventure trip is one in which people get out typically into an outdoor or wilderness environment so that they're away from the normal resources and activities that they have in an urban environment. So when one thinks of an adventure trip, I think people think about rafting or climbing or something like a diving trip. What is your best advice for travelers embarking on this type of trip? Without question, the most important advice is to understand the situation into which you will be traveling and try and prepare yourself emotionally and physically for that environment. If you're going to be on a trek or a prolonged hike, you should know that you need comfortable broken-in shoes. So you need to get that done before you go, for instance, so that you don't spend the entire trip or even have to cancel the trip because of blisters. If you're going to be on a diving trip, anticipate that you might be out in bumpy seas, and so be prepared to deal with motion sickness. Always carry a small personal medical kit with you in addition to the kit or the supplies that might be provided by the outfitter and try and be in the best shape that you possibly can be. Don't go into the backcountry or into a rugged environment without being well-conditioned, well-hydrated, fit of body and mind. What are some of the biggest risks of wilderness and adventure travel which can lead to death if untreated? The biggest medical risk in general in wilderness travel is dehydration or lack of access to potable water. In situations of high altitude, extreme temperature that is cold and heat, people really underestimate their fluid requirements. So they tend not to drink enough and become dehydrated. If you compound that with being lost and not having access to water or infectious diarrhea or any other gastroenteric disease where you have large fluid losses, then that can rapidly lead to debilitation. What are some of the myths of wilderness care? There are lots of folk remedies and plenty of folklore associated with wilderness medicine. Uh, Most of them relate to remedies that have been around for a long time. So for instance, in snakebite, the whole idea of cutting and sucking on the wound to take the venom out is wrong. Uh, Rubbing frostbite is wrong. Uh, Urinating on jellyfish stings is wrong. So there's quite an extensive list of remedies that have been observed, I suppose, by some people to be effective, but without any scientific proof. Describe some improvisational techniques you use in locations far from modern facilities. Most improvisational techniques have to do with wound care. 
So improvising dressings or splints or slings. So you make do with uh, what you have in order to immobilize limbs and keep them from becoming infected. A whole other range of improvisation relates to survival techniques. So how to signal for help when you don't have flares or routine electronic audio communication. How do you do smoke signals? How do you stamp out a pattern in the snow? Um, If you actually have to survive and get food, how can you improvise the equipment that's necessary to catch an animal or catch a fish? Those are survival improvisational techniques, and that's a whole discipline unto itself. Tell us about the Wilderness Medicine textbook. The Wilderness Medicine textbook is something that I first wrote a very long time ago. I actually started it when I was a resident, and the first edition was approximately 600 pages and about 30 chapters, and it helped define the field of wilderness medicine. And over the ensuing approximate 25 years, it's now in its fifth edition. So it's become, I guess, the Bible of wilderness medicine. So it's up to 97 chapters and 2,300 pages, and it weighs over 20 pounds. And you need a pack animal to carry it with you, but it it really is a labor of love. And I can see it continuing to grow in the future. Is there a book that travelers can take into the wilderness with them? There are two books that I would recommend, and I apologize for recommending my own works, but there's a field guide to wilderness medicine, which is a small companion guide that accompanies the textbook with each edition. So the second edition of that is out, and the third edition will come out sometime next year to coincide with the fifth edition of the Wilderness Medicine Big Book. The field guide is a small paperback that can be carried in your pack, and that's for medical professionals. For lay people, a book like Medicine for the Outdoors would be a good book to carry. There are other books written for lay people. A classic is Medicine for Mountaineering by Jim Wilkerson, which is uh, currently in its fifth edition. Who else is doing interesting work in the area of wilderness medicine? What's really terrific for me is the fact that there are so many people, and in particular people in the early and mid-stage of their careers who have gotten engaged in wilderness medicine. So Examples that come to mind are Peter Hackett, uh, who's creating a high-altitude research institute uh, in Telluride, Colorado. Luann Freer, uh, a remarkable woman who is responsible for medical care at Yellowstone National Park and who also created and maintains the medical clinic that's run at the base camp of Mount Everest every climbing season. Gordon Giesbrecht in Canada is the world authority on immersion hypothermia and has done a tremendous job educating both physicians and the lay public about the hazards of falling into cold water and what to do when that happens. So folks like that really are at the forefront of the specialty, both by virtue of the research they do, the clinical work that they do, and what wonderful role models they've become for everybody. What are the latest statistics for incidents requiring emergency medical response for adventure travelers? I think one of the weaknesses of the specialty is the lack of comprehensive epidemiological data. And that's not to criticize anyone, but just to say that it's very difficult to get these numbers. The reason is, is that these are diverse environments in which people aren't gathering comprehensive statistics. So we have some information from organizations like the National Outdoor Leadership School and the American Alpine Club, but there's nothing like a large national or international database in existence. So 
From a global medical epidemiological perspective, high-altitude illness, frostbite, shark attack do not rate as major disorders of mankind because certainly we have bigger problems like congestive heart failure and diabetes and infectious diseases. But for the people that go into these remote environments, they are very likely to be severe problems, and therefore we are fascinated by them and need to study them in order to be able to treat them effectively. Are you an advocate for environmental issues? Thank you very much for asking that. Yes, I am. Many years back, I wrote an editorial for the Journal of Wilderness Medicine entitled Physicians for the Environment, in which I advocated that there ought to be an organization of physicians that was concerned predominantly with environmental issues. I believe that this is the single biggest problem facing our planet. It dwarfs any other problem that we have because, quite frankly, the data point towards issues such as global warming and elimination of species and all of the environmental derangements that will lead to profound changes in our ability to exist on this planet. So whether or not a physician believes any particular position or any particular fact, I think it's absolutely obligatory for the House of Medicine in all of its facets to step up and do whatever is the most intensive educational effort it can do for doctors in training, for existing doctors, so that we understand the issues and can intelligently take positions if that's appropriate. I think this is the highest priority. What's your best advice to listeners to do just that? Right now, there's not a clearly defined way to do this other than to take a personal interest and pursue scientific information as it's presented in the relevant media. So whether you start with National Geographic Scientific American or whether you have the energy to go to the specialty publications that are peer-reviewed in environmental science, you need to start somewhere. There are many environmental organizations. An example is the Amazon Conservation Team that look at very practical solutions to environmental issues in the case of that organization to preserve rainforest and preserve indigenous cultures. So whatever it is, pick what interests you, just as you would pick something in wilderness medicine. Try and learn about it and then decide if there's a way that you can be helpful personally or professionally. This whole concept of physicians being an organized advocacy for environmental issues is really in its infancy, just like wilderness medicine was, but it's hard to conceive of wilderness medicine without a wilderness, and now I think we have to take it one step further. It's not just the wilderness that's evaporating. Our entire planet is in danger. Dr. Auerbach, thank you so much for joining us to discuss wilderness medicine. It's been my pleasure, and I thank you for the opportunity and would be delighted to help or counsel anyone who'd like to learn more or get involved in this really exciting specialty. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.